0: This is your home for New York Knicks basketball. Throws it up top and with the slam. WEPN FM, New York, a good karma brands radio station. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN.
1: I think you'd be hard-pressed to find one of these first-round series which has the potential to be as compelling here as Nick Cavaliers. I think they're that evenly matched, and a lot of this series is going to hinge on the availability and the status of Julius Randle. And I don't think that I am breaking any sort of news there. They're listing Julius as questionable, and he's going to test this thing before the game to see where he's at to see if he'll be active and ready to go. Now, we know he's not going to be 100%. This ankle thing, it's going to need weeks and weeks and weeks to heal and you got to stay off it not go out there and play playoff basketball games that are more demanding more
0: taxing than ones you even played during the regular season so that's tricky but that changes the complexion of this series the Dan grassa show i'm so confused right now on 98.7 espn
1: <laughs> new york the epicenter of the sports universe all of a sudden when you talk about all of our winter sports teams five for five in the playoffs Figure the Mets and Yankees barring a disaster gonna find their way into the postseason come October, even though we don't want to rush it, right? It's still way too far down the road. And our two football teams, one coming off a very successful season, of course, in the Giants, where they made the playoffs, won a playoff game, and the Jets, who, you know, unless things completely take a crazy detour. Figure to have themselves as good a chance as any to break the longest playoff drought in team sports currently in North America with Aaron Rodgers coming aboard. So we could make it nine for nine for the first time ever in the calendar year 2023. I hope it happens. I hope like hell it happens. And I don't know right now like and right now I think the team that's probably hardest pressed or, or, or would maybe stand in the way. I don't think it's the Jets. Because I'm still going to go out on a limb and, you know, consider Aaron Rodgers that he is going to be here. It might be the Giants, only because, look, we've seen teams after a really successful year where they play above their heads a little bit, exceed expectations, they take that little small step backwards. And I don't think it's a knock on them. It's just, hey, that's how things go, especially in the NFL. Like, the Giants might actually be, like, to the eye test this year, Giants might actually be a better football team than the one that we saw a year ago but they might have a worse record. It it just happens. But we won't worry about that now. We're just going to enjoy our teams that are going to be playing for the next couple of weeks when you're talking about the NBA in the NHL. Let's get back to the phones. Remember, Knicks coverage today, 5.30 right here on 98.7 ESPN. Gets underway with our pal Pat O'Keefe, and then Ned Cohen and John Wallace have the call from Cleveland. Let us say hi to Manny in Flushing. He's going to begin hour number two for us here on 9870 call, call, ESPN. Call. Manny, what's going on?
2: Hey, Dan. How you doing?
1: Manny, I'm great, buddy. How are you?
2: Good. Me too, man. I, mean, I can't wait. I'm so excited for the Knicks. We're in the playoffs right now. I think, it's, I think it's great to be a Knicks fan overall, in account, particularly for 2023. You have both, Knicks te- both basketball teams in the playoffs. You've got three local NHL teams in the playoffs, and hopefully both baseball and football teams
1: Will gain to the playoffs as well? Absolutely. I mean, like I said, it would be fantastic. But you know, let us go baby steps here and just try to get through these uh, next couple of weeks and see where we stand, right? Yeah. I also I want to touch in
2: about this Spencer really thing. Look, the yeah. first thing we should be worried about the Sixers and Kyle Kuzma. And also Kyle. Uh, by the, Kyle, I have no problem of Kuzma's response.
1: He's basically let him know, say, Hey, I want a title. You never did. Well, the thing about Kyle Kuzma, though, I I mean, you know, he was on that Laker team that won in the bubble a couple of years ago. But, you know, how big of a role did Kyle Kuzma have on that team? Like the only guys who could be thumping their chest from that Laker team, you know, Anthony Davis and LeBron, everybody else. You know what? You won a championship. Thanks to those guys. Right. I, I mean, like, really, why are we worrying about Kyle Kuzma? I know.
2: I mean, I mean, I think Spencer was, was like, out of bounds for bringing it up. I mean, last time I checked, he
1: was with that British team with Kuzma when they were losing. So, I don't know why he would bring his name up. I, it doesn't make sense to me. Hey, it's the way it goes now with the social media, the trash talking, everything like that. But, Manny, thank you for the phone call. Appreciate it. You know, Spencer Dinwiddie is going to, you know, figure out pretty soon here if he doesn't already. And Spencer Dinwiddie uh, Dinwiddie's a bright guy. I, I mean, this is this is not going to be easy against Philadelphia. Not going to be easy at all. They are a damn good team and more talented and certainly on the high end level than what the Brooklyn Nets are. Paul in Jersey up next, 98.70 SPM. Paul, how are we doing today? Hey, good morning, Dan. How's it going? Paul, I'm outstanding. What's going on with you?
3: Not too much. First and foremost, you, you do a great job here, man. Happy to listen to the show every Saturday.
1: Appreciate you, Paul. Appreciate you. What's going on? So, so... Excited for the Knicks. I got Knicks
3: in seven. I think Randall will, will obviously play a huge role, but a player no one is talking about is Quentin Grimes. That dude has taken steps under Tibbs, plays great defense. I would rather keep him in the long run than R.J. Barrett. That That's a whole other conversation. Uh, but, again, I think uh, the Knicks are going to take care of business tonight. It'll go seven, and we'll be celebrating in the streets.
1: You know what? I, from your lips there, Paulie, and I thank you for the phone call. I mean, here's the thing, you know – Everybody with the Knicks in seven pick, and look, it could happen, but that means you're winning a game seven in Cleveland. And you want to talk about a team growing up before your very eyes? That, to me, would qualify, don't you think? Going on the road and winning a seventh game in somebody else's building. But what Paul was saying about Grimes, absolutely. Last ten games of the regular season, he was outstanding. You know, that version of Quentin Grimes was easily, by far, the best version we've seen in his brief NBA career. Because you know what? I didn't think it would come this fast for him offensively. We know that he could do all the intangible type of things, right, on the other end of the floor, defensive rebounding, all that type of stuff. But what he was able to do, putting the ball in the basket. I mean, the guy had, I want to say, six. I think six of the last nine games were 20-plus point outings for him. Now, look. Some of those, of course, were without Julius Randle in there, which means that those are going to be more shots that are going to go up and more opportunities for guys to go out there and, and make plays on offense, and Grimes took advantage. But you know what? That's what life is all about. It's about opportunity, taking advantage of your opportunities, and he did. Grimes is going to be a guy, though, that you're damn right. They're going to have to rely on him in this series, especially if Randall is less than 100%. I think if we're going to sit here and, you know, have a pecking order of most important Knicks, not named Julius Randle, I think number one is obviously Jalen Brunson. It's not even close. All right? And he has it in him. And I think that one of the reasons, not, not one of the reasons, I think the reason why you're a Nick fan that you probably feel as good about their chances, even with Randle nicked up a little bit, is because you have Brunson. This isn't like a couple of years ago when you sit there and just, you know, kind of bite your fingernails and say, oh, now what? Now what do we do? It's not the case anymore. Because in these situations, look, I, I, I mean, on this roster right now, who's the guy that's the best playoff performer? It's Jalen Brunson. It's not Julius Randle. It's Jalen Brunson. Right? We saw what the guy did last year wearing a Dallas Mavericks uniform. So I'm fully confident that there isn't going to be any sort of drop-off whatsoever from the guy that we saw in the regular season, who, by the way, was named a finalist for the NBA Most improved player award. I don't know if he's going to win it, though. They're probably going to give it to SGA down in Oklahoma City because he's just a freak. But Brunson, I've said it, is the most important, Nick. I've said it all year, and I'm not moving away from that. Randall might be the best player. Jalen Brunson is the most important player on this team. And then after Jalen Brunson, like, who's next in line? I think there's a couple of different ways you could go. I mean, naturally, you want to say R.J. Barrett. In a perfect world, I wish we could say R.J. Barrett. Guy was the third pick in the draft. He gave him that contract extension. One of the reasons Donovan Mitchell's not a member of the New York Knicks is because you wanted to hang on to R.J. Barrett, and that's fine. But what about the emergence of Emmanuel quickly? By the way, IQ, a finalist for six-man award. I think he's got a shot. Him, Brogdon, coin flip, we'll see. But is IQ becoming a guy who's more important now to this team's chances of making it out of the first round than R.J. Barrett is? I still say no because it's still – apart from just this seven-game series, I still think it's part of the bigger-picture discussion with R.J. Barrett, that if he is going to become what the Knicks want him to be, what the fan base wants him to be, you know what? Now is the time to show it. You're R.J. Barrett. Now is the time, buddy. Go out there and act like the third pick in the draft. Don't be a guy who's just going to kind of blend in. Take the bull by the horns. You know, stop being the guy who was the quote-unquote consolation prize because Zion and John Morant were already off the board. Go be a guy who, hey, it was only a few years ago. Talking to people that I know that are close to the Duke program, Felt that R.J. Barrett would be a better pro than Zion Williamson for a variety of reasons. Now, one of the things you have to have going for you is you got to be available. And, well, as we saw with Zion, even if he looks healthy, guys still can't play, won't play for whatever the hell the reason is. Whether it's, you know, the behind the scenes, the team, the stepfather, whatever it is. But Zion doesn't play. And that's the one thing you could say about R.J. Barrett is at least the guy goes out there and suits up and does his thing. And he's a good player, not a great player yet. And I don't know if he's ever going to become a great player, but right now he's good and he plays and he answers the call. And that's more than what you could say about Zion. Can you imagine if that crap happened in New York, by the way? Can you imagine that? Like Zion looking as healthy as healthy could be. Like he's out there in the warm-up line the other night. And and we've – like if you watch New Orleans during the – like this happened in regular season games, but in a playing game, a quote unquote, you know, postseason contest, the game that's going to determine your season. He's out there warming up with the team, slam dunking and doing all this, you know, high wire act stuff, looking, you know, a hundred percent. And he's not playing in the game because he doesn't feel like Zion. Can you imagine if that happened in New York? Oh my! Lo- we may not even be talking about the series. We would just be talking about that around the clock. What a disgrace! But no, if you're asking me who's next in line after Jalen Brunson that has to show up this series, it's R.J. Barrett. Then you go I.Q. Then who do you go? Do you go? You go Grimes. You go Hart. You go Mitch. Probably say Hart, then Grimes, then Mitch. But it's good to have options, don't you think? I mean, the fact that we went, what, five, six deep? Couldn't say that two years ago to find enough quality players that this team had on their roster. All right, we'll get some more calls in. 800 919 3776. That is the telephone number. Remember, Dan Rosen, NHL.com will join us in about 15 minutes. Talk a little. Rangers, Devils, Islanders, as they all get set to embark on the postseason. Plus, we got to get into the baseball from last night as well. Dan Grosser Show, we're rolling till noon on a jam-packed Saturday right here on 98.7 ESPN.
0: This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs>
1: Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. And, you know, we could sit here and play the the, the what-if game. If the Knicks did go ahead and make that trade with the Utah Jazz... Would they be in any different situation than they are right now? You know, would they be any better than the five seed? You want to say that the Knicks and the Cavs would flip-flop? All right, I'm willing to go there. But would the Knicks even be as good as, let's say, Philadelphia this season? Don't know, because it still has to come down to what you gave up. Like, so if if R.J. Barrett, Endor, Quentin Grimes were going to be a part of this package, you know, what type of a toll would that have taken on the roster over the course of an 82-game season? Remember, even when we discussed the possibility back in June, Donovan Mitchell's a really, really good player, but that's not the final piece to winning a championship. Cleveland will tell you that. And I think that's what the feeling was when it was a possibility of him coming to the Knicks. So there was still work to be done, but damn, it would have been exciting. It would have been exciting. Didn't Donovan Mitchell have, like, if I'm not mistaken, like 12 40-point games this year? 12? It's pretty good. In that building... On any, on any given night, his pension to just completely go off, yeah, that would have brought some electricity, I would say. It brought some electricity. Antonio's in Brooklyn. He's up next here on 9870 SPN. Antonio, how we doing? What's up, Dan? First time call, actually. Love the show. Antonio, um, thanks, a- buddy. What's going on? Man, nothing. I'm
2: a diehard Knicks fan. I'm actually going to game six and taking my son. Nice. I think the Knicks are winning six. But, um, I was, I was, my question to you was basically, it might sound crazy, but do you think the way the chemistry is going since randall been out, why Randall can't come off the bench, see how that operates? Um, I think Obi Toppin is doing a, a, a real good job. Lately, he's, uh, expanding his horizons. And I just feel with the core that we have right now, why stop the, the flow? You know
1: what I mean? Okay. Mm, I, Antonio, thanks for the phone call. And you know what? I hope you get to a game six and you get to go to the game with uh, with your boy there. I, I think short answer no, because how many games was it at the end of the year that Randall missed? Was it like five? Something like, you know, give or take. Like, that's really, really hard to really make an evaluation. Like, we, you know, for example, like baseball. Okay. Baseball is even twice as long of a season than basketball. You play 162 games. People in and around baseball, like you know, the talent evaluators, they, they tell you the, the thing that you don't put a lot of stock in when evaluating a team's performance or a player's performance is what happens in April and September. First month, last month. For, for a variety of reasons. So if you take that to even a smaller sample size here with the basketball, you're talking about like five games at the end of the year where you're playing teams. Remember, two of those games were against an Indiana team that was dead and and, and waiting for the season to be over already, right? The intensity and the ramifications of some of these games, like how much do they really mean? If Randall could play, guys, he's got to start. He's going to start. Now, look, let's go devil's advocate. Let's say he can't go or he's going to be compromised. How do you manage this if you're Tibbs? Do you go small, right? You try to kill Cleveland with a small lineup and maybe go opposite approach here, and you play Josh Hart extended minutes at the four? Because the thing about Josh Hart, and one of the reasons why you know, he was really, really appealing to the Knicks is that, yeah, even though he's a guard, the guy rebounds probably as well as any guard in the NBA. So if you play him at the four, for example, and you're going to go small, like I, I don't think you're going to suffer as much in terms of attacking the glass because he can handle that. You could also just roll with Obi. But Tibbs has kind of been a little hesitant to give him those extended minutes, as we've seen. You know, does Jericho Sims get out of witness protection? And do they give him somewhere between, you know, 10 and 15 minutes a game? But this is all going to hinge upon Randall playing or not playing. Ryan in New Jersey, up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Ryan, how we doing? What's up, my man? How you doing? Ryan, we're good. What's going on?
2: I'm doing good, man. So, I'm taking the Knicks in seven. You know, I feel like we got what it takes uh, to make it happen. I feel like uh, this is going to be Brunson's uh, coming out party. You know what I'm saying? You're going to put up a lot of points. You're going to get one in Cleveland and take it to seven. Now, I also wanted to bring up something about Zion Williamson, right? Yeah. So, People are worried about how he's, he gets injured and different things like that. And I know for, well, I don't know for a fact, but I played Division One football at the FCS level, right? Mm-hmm. Every time we played the FBS team, the more people I played in front of, the bigger the atmosphere I played better. The bigger the lights, I played better. That's Zion. We, he needs to be in New York City and play in front of a live atmosphere. New, New Orleans ain't doing it for him. You know what I'm saying? He needs to play in a big-time atmosphere. And the adrenaline, just your adrenaline playing in front of a crowd like NYC, he's not going to get hurt.
1: He's going to play better. So I believe in Zion. I would trade yeah, top But, Ryan, Ryan, here's the thing, though. He got hurt in college. You know what I mean? Duke is as big an atmosphere as you can have, and he got hurt there, I don't remember too. him getting hurt in college. I don't remember that. Or, or missed time like in college. No Remember the whole thing with the foot and the busted sneaker? Remember that? Yeah, but if, if you play 60-something games out of 82, I'm not mad at that.
2: I'm not. I'm not asking him to play all 82 games, but if you get 62 or 60 something games out of 80, I'm happy with that. And I think Zion is a player that we've never had before. Brunson is a really good player, but I really do believe he's a a high end number two, and Zion could be that number one that we all deserve. So I believe in Zion. I believe in the Knicks. I think going win a championship soon. I don't know. Maybe hopefully in the next five to
1: five to ten years, that'll be that'll sound nice. But I think it's possible, man. I really do, Ryan. Thank Ryan. Thanks for the phone call. I I. I, I... We disagree on Zion. You know, there's already way too much inf- info out there to where I would stay away from. The guy never plays. And to sit here and say that it's because, you know, he's not – you know what, say what you want about the big stage and being motivated and that type of thing. He didn't mind when New Orleans put, you know, how many hundreds of millions of dollars in front of him for him to put his name on the contract. He didn't care then, did he? I mean, you got you to play. And right now, he's not a guy you could trust. You just can't. I mean, he played 30 games this year. Didn't play at all. So in the last two years, he's played 30 games. 30. You know, you can, be, you can have the nicest, fastest, ritziest, you know, sports car that they ever made. But if the damn thing is in the shop every other week, like, what good is it? Right? And that's kind of what Zion is right now. There's other ways you could go out there and improve your team and try to get better about a championship. Anthony in the mail truck is up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Anthony, my man, good morning. How are you? Dan, what's going on, baby? How we doing? Anthony, outstanding. What's up, bud?
4: Good, brother. Big, uh, big, big shout-out to the company. So, I mean, with that, with that Zion talk, uh, Zion Williamson, as we know him right now, is the Albert Hainsworth of basketball. And that's not saying like wow, that he can't and Albert hate
1: shout out, there you go,
4: yeah, you yeah, 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 of course, I mean, he's just he's he's robbing money, that's what he's doing. he's just taking money, and he got his contract, and he's and he's you know hanging out, but he did say in an interview, I believe, uh I heard last week that you know he's re- he's ready to go um and he's ready to play but the team's not allowing him to or something something along those lines so he's trying to to
1: feel like zion he he, he doesn't want to play until he feels like zion well what does that mean and then there's all these rumors about like the stepfather that's that has a big hand in this and is not allowing him to play and blah 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 blah, and wants all these conditions it's a it's it's more trouble than it's worth right now right now with them Right, and and
4: honestly, unfortunately, I mean, not,
1: not for, uh, for, fortunately,
4: I, I should say, I'd rather R.J. Barrett than Zion right now because R.J.'s on the court. Not that he's playing great, um, but to get to my point with R.J., I could not agree with you more, Dan. I feel like Jalen Brunson can be Jalen Brunson. So Jalen Brunson negates Donovan Mitchell. That's great. Cool. You know, uh, Julius Randle, we'll see what we get from him. But I feel like the X factor in this series, and I was telling Jolio uh, on the phone, I feel like if R.J. Barrett can up his game just, you know, halfway to the full way, if if that makes sense, I just feel like we win this series. and I, And I don't think that it would be close if R.J. Barrett can play like R.J. Barrett can play, like he did at Duke, like you've been saying. Um, I just wanted to hear your thoughts on that, Dan. Thanks for taking the call, brother. You have a great, great weekend.
1: Same to you, Anthony. Um, how about this? If if R.J. Barrett averages 20 – I'll get a little greedy. If R.J. Barrett averages 23 a game this series, I think the Knicks got a hell of a shot to win it. And that's with or without Randall in the lineup. And, and, and with or without Randall being as effective as we know he can be. All right, we'll do more of the basketball coming up a little bit later on. We come back. We also want to pay attention to some hockey, of course. All three locals in the first round of the playoffs. Our pal Dan Rose at NHL.com is going to join us to help us break it down. Dan Grosser Show, we roll till noon here on 98.7 ESPN.
0: This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs>
1: Take a quick pause right now from the basketball conversation because you know what they play hockey in these parts, and you know what the three teams that occupy it well, they're all going to the playoffs, as a matter of fact. Islanders Hurricanes gets underway Monday, Devils Rangers Battle of the Hudson starts on Tuesday in Newark. You're going to hear all the action right here on 987 ESPN, and to help us talk about it is our good pal, he is, of course, the senior. Writer extraordinaire for NHL.com. He is Dan Rosen, and he's on his way to Rangers practice, if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct, my friend?
3: That is absolutely correct. I am on my way. I like, by the way, how you add the extraordinaire at the end of my title. I, I think I should use that as my byline.
1: I, I don't know why you don't, and I, and you don't even have to give me credit for it. But I don't, like I said, you're late to the party here. How are you not an extraordinaire of all things hockey related? I try to
3: be. I try to be. I'm just
1: just trying to do my job, Dan. That's all. And you do it well, you know that. But it's good to catch up. And look, it's 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 probably as juiced up a time of year that we've had in this city in quite some time, given the fact that all three teams are in the playoffs. And, of course, we got to start with the Devils and the Rangers because, you know, like if you, if you take a step back and just look at it like league-wide, Eastern-Western Conference, and maybe a little hometown bias comes through in this, Dan, but you can make a strong case. Devils-Rangers is probably as compelling of any of the eight first-round series we have in the NHL. Oh, 100% it is. There's no question about it. The other one that really
3: is is Toronto-Tampa. That's not because of geography or rivalry. That's because of Toronto, and they haven't won a series since 2004, and you've got the Lightning, who've been to the Cup Final three straight years, and they played last year into a Game 7. So that's obviously very compelling. There's a lot of little storylines that go with that, Um, you know, that I'm sure your listeners are not all that caring about because it's not Devils-Rangers, and Devils-Rangers is so compelling. Look, the rivalry is the geography, but the best part about it—I was talking to some people this week, uh, you know, about this. I, I, Henrik Lundqvist brought this up to me, and Ken Danico as well. It's not just Devils Rangers; it's divided households. It's the father grew up a Rangers fan, but they live in Bergen County, and the kid is a Devils fan. You know, like it's it's that way, and it's and that's what makes the rivalry. The the players in this. Rivalry right now are not necessarily rivals. You know, like they haven't played a playoff series against each other. They they know they're not supposed to like the other team because of the jersey and where they play, not because of what they've done to them. That changes now, and that's the key thing. In the nineties, that's what happened. Right, ninety four became so compelling because over the the course of that series, the players developed the hatred. You know, earlier, you know, when it, when it was 06, then and 08, then 2012, it was a lot of the same players uh, back in the 90s. It was a lot of the same players in 06, 08, and 2012. The same goalies, in, you know, for it as well. That's what we're going to get now. And the thing is, the Rangers have ascended, right? They're a, they are there. They, they are a Stanley Cup contender. The Devils are clearly on their way up like this is they're about a year ahead of schedule and they've been terrific this year. These two teams can be at the top for a while with the way they're built. This I think, you know, you hope it works out this way. This is the first installment of what could be a three or four part series.
1: You know, and you know what selfishly I was kind of hoping that the Devils would find their way to the top of the Metropolitan so they wouldn't play each other in the first round, only because of the things that you said that I think there's a great chance that both of these teams would have won their respective first-round series, and then they maybe could have locked horns in round number two just to extend the season a little bit more. But, all right, I guess beggars can't be choosers. They're going to have to meet in the first round here. Let's look at it from a Rangers standpoint. Um, When you look at their season, and I know that – they made the acquisitions of Kane and Tarasenko, and that changed the complexion of you know the forwards and everything like that. But Igor Shosturkin, who let's be honest, was their best player last year. Was the guy you know largely responsible getting them to a conference final? The guy we saw for the first four months of the season was not bad, but he was nowhere near the level of the Vesna Trophy winner. Last couple of months, we're starting to see that Vesna Trophy winner again. Is that enough? to push this team to the next round if you get that Igor over the next seven games potentially? I, th- I do think it is, and you're 100% right. The first, you know, three quarters of this season,
3: Igor Shisterkin was fine, but he couldn't live up to what he did last year. And honestly, it might have been asking too much to live up what he did last year. I mean, he had a season for the ages for a goalie last year. He was unbelievable, and that's why he was a finalist for the Hart Trophy for MVP. But the last quarter of this regular season, he really picked up his game, like you said. His numbers improved dramatically. He became the guy that the Rangers need. The Rangers played their last 19 games and did not allow more than three goals in any of those games. And they won 12 of them. And, look, that's good. If you're not allowing more than three in a playoff game, you got a really good chance. you allow two, you're probably winning. That's the way the NHL has gone now. You know, it went... You know, the scoring is up, and I think it'll stay up in the playoffs. But, again, when you have a goalie like Igor Shosturkin, he's the great equalizer. Like, the Devils have better speed. That's the key thing for the Devils. Their speed and the way they turn the puck over on you and attack, attack, attack. The Rangers are going to struggle with that a little bit. Any team was. That's just the way it is. The Rangers have to play It's not perfect through the neutral zone, but they have to play really smart hockey through the neutral zone, as any team would have to against the Devils. But because they have Shesterkin, it's the great equalizer if he's on top of his game, because the Devils might generate that scoring chance off of a turnover, and he denies it. And that breaks a little confidence. And over the course of a series, that to me is how you break a team that wants to always go.
1: You give the Rangers the edge. I mean, let's look at just the first three lines, you know, so top nine forwards. Do you give the Rangers yep. with the additions of those two guys that I mentioned the edge as far as those first three scoring lines go?
3: Well, I do a slight edge. The, 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 to me also, like Jack Hughes, is he, between him and Artemi Panarin, they're the two most talented players in the series. Uh, You could throw Adam Fox in the mix. You could throw Patrick Kane in the mix. There's no question about it. Um, I love the Devils' top two centers with Nico Hechier and Jack Hughes. Uh, Dawson Mercer for the Devils has really come on this year, and he's been a terrific player for them, an X-factor for them. But Philip Hedel is that for the Rangers, right? And the kid line is that for the Rangers, and Hedel Hedel centers that line. The one player that the Rangers have, the type of player that they have that the Devils don't, is Mika Zibanejad, and mm. I think if Mika Zibanejad is on top of his game, and he has been all year, he's been terrific all year, he, he's a guy that's going to be very difficult for the Devils to contain over the course of a seven-game series, and I think it goes long. One, <clears throat> excuse me, one game, you might be able to keep Zibanejad in check, but he's big, he's fast, he skates like the wind. He battles in the corners. He'll win those pucks. He'll win. Fi- he's going to lean on you all series long with the way he plays. And eventually, I think that's going to be the difference. One of the big differences for the Rangers is they have that guy. Now the Devils have Timo Meyer, and they acquired him in the you know in the, from the San Jose Sharks. And he's that big physical power forward too, but he's not a center, and he doesn't play as big of a role as Mika Zibanejad does. So I, I think Zibanejad's got to be a he will be, but I think he could be like the uh, along with Shisterkin, the biggest difference maker in this series.
1: Dan Rosen at HL.com, joining us here on 98.7 ESPN. When you look at the Devils also, I, I think obviously you talk about all this young talent they have, the speed, and they've done a great job, and they're all starting to develop at the same time. And here you have the most successful numbers-wise regular season in the history of the franchise, which is crazy considering you're talking about a team that's won three cups uh, and had Hall right. of Famers in the past. But the guy that really, I mean, let's face it, their goaltending for the last, you know, better part of a decade since Brodeur walked away has been an albatross. And I don't know if any of us could have foreseen what Vitek Vanacek was able to do or was going to do this season for them. So I guess that's also then the big question for the series. We talk about Igor and his impact for the Rangers. Is this the Vanacek that we could expect come playoff time? Because we didn't see this guy in the playoffs with the Washington Capitals. No.
3: You know what? It's very interesting. I remember when they got Vanacek, it was at the draft, and I was talking to Marty Brodeur at the draft, and I was like, okay, so you might, you think you got your number one? And he goes, well, I think Blackwood's the number one, and I think we got our, our 1A, 1B scenario here. Well, Blackwood's not the number one. Vanacek is, and he's earned it all season long. And he's Blackwood shouldn't even well. dress,
1: to be honest with you. I think so, Akira uh, yeah, Schmidt should be the backup.
3: Yeah, I, I I, wouldn't argue with you there. I really wouldn't. Akira Schmidt had a better year than, yeah. than Mackenzie Blackwood. You Blackwood's know, run out
1: of chances. Uh,
3: I agree with you, but if it gets to that point for the Devils, they're in trouble. So, oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> but then again, if it gets to the Arroja Lock for the Rangers, they're in trouble too, so we'll see. But Banachek, to me, like there was a point in late February and into March where his game was off. He was struggling, and he had played more than he had ever played in the NHL. And I was starting to wonder, like, all right, is he tired? Like is this is he getting tired? Is this too much for him right now? Is he not ready for it? And he turned it around. He really did. And he, he turned it around and he started to play much better and he finished pretty strong. But of course, you know, when you match up the goalies in this series, you're it's heavily favored to Igor Shosturkin. But you also remember, last year and this and this is the the dangerous part for um the Devils and Vanacek. Remember last year with Shesterkin, his real first experience in the playoffs where he was the number one guy and he was going to go for it and all that? He struggled at the start of that Pittsburgh series. Mm-hmm. He was not good at the start of that Pittsburgh series. Then Jacob Trouba laid a big hit on Sidney Crosby and it changed everything in that series. If Vanacek struggles at the start of this series, the Rangers are not going to let off. So the Penguins let off a little bit last year and that's going to be a big problem for the Devils. I'm not saying he will. I don't think goaltending is a problem for the Devils. Other people will look at it and say, "Well, they're you know they're, they're they're not as good in net as the Rangers." No, they're not. But I don't think it's a problem. They can win with the goaltending that they have because of the speed they have, because of the talent and the skill. The one thing with the Devils that it's a question that I have, and it's only because we haven't seen it, is the fact: what team is going to show up? Is it going to be the team that? has been this team all year long that's just been go, 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 attack, attack, attack all the time, speed, speed kills, all that, and they walk into the playoffs naive and they don't care and they're just like, we're here, we're playing, let's go. Or because it's the playoffs, things get a little more intense, the rivalry picks up, their building's going to have a lot of Ranger fans in it, Do they tighten up a little bit. If they tighten up a little bit, the Rangers are going to skate all over them.
1: Dan Rosen, NHL.com. A couple more minutes with him around 98.7. All right, let's get to the Islanders. Taking on a Carolina team who, look, I-, I think this is actually as good a matchup as the Islanders could have hoped for, given the fact that, you know, they just snuck into the playoffs in game 82. I mean, this Carolina team has essentially been a 500 club for the last 20, yep. 25 games. How much of a shot do you give New York in this one, Dan?
3: Give the, I give the Islanders a shot. I do. The, the, the thing about it is, is they're not exactly world beaters either right now. Um, they got in, and that's about as good as you could say it, right? They got in. Um, the, the Barzal situation is interesting. If you know, is he going to play? Is he not going to play? Is he going to come back? Is he going to be a part of this? We don't know. Um, but Carolina, you're right. Carolina struggled. They're nine, eight, and one. The injury and he's done, and he is a dynamic scoring player. He's a dynamic forward, a dynamic scorer for them. They don't score a lot. They don't. They, they, they're, they're, it's a big problem for them. But they do a pretty good job when they're on their game of keeping the puck out. The Islanders don't score a ton either. You mm-hmm. know, like this seven game, this series could be seven games and have like 20 goals in it, 21 goals in it. And all these games are like two to one, you know. Um, it wouldn't surprise me, but again, like with the Rangers against the Devils, what it looks like on paper, the Islanders have a significant advantage in goal with Sorokin, who is, I mean, he is so good that that might be the thing that puts them over the top, too, because they may not score a lot. He's not going to allow a lot, and they can win the 2-1 to game. Like, Carolina is accustomed to winning – two-to-one, three-to-two games, they can do those things, soak in the Islanders. And with the goaltender that they have, I think that makes the difference. So, yeah, I'm picking the Islanders to win this series. I I think they will. I didn't like the way the Hurricanes finished the season, and it was a pretty extended period of time where I didn't like the way they played.
1: So there you go. Danny likes them. Give me a Devils-Rangers pick before we say goodbye.
3: Yeah, I'm taking the Rangers. I'm taking the Rangers in probably six or seven. I, I do think playoff experience, goaltending, uh, and the, like, the, the playoff experience they have in their big-time players matters, you know. Like, guy, they get guys like Kane and Tarasenko. These are Stanley Cup champions, you know. Like, they, they know how to play, and they also know that they were brought here for now. They weren't brought here for the games that they played in March and earlier this month. They're brought here for right now. Uh, so I think that matters, and I think it takes over. Key thing for the Rangers, as I said, like, They just have to be careful with the puck through the neutral zone. If they are, I think they're going to be okay.
1: Should be a lot of fun. Danny, great stuff as always, my friend. We'll catch up soon, and uh, this promises to be a fun ride for sure. All right, man. Appreciate it. Anytime. Be good. There's our pal Dan Rosen, senior writer extraordinaire for NHL.com. You check him out. He'll be covering the playoffs like a glove, as he always does. So you heard what he had to say. We'll sneak in some hockey calls. Also, we'll get back to the NBA to start our third hour. Brian Geltzeiler, NBA Radio, is going to help us break down the NBA playoffs. Dan Grossa Show. We roll till noon right here on 98.7 ESPN.
0: This is the Dan Grossa Show on 98.7 ESPN.
1: Dan Gross, the show 98.7 ESPN, Cuckoo, Cachoo, 800-919-3776, that is the telephone number. I am the Eggman, classic, classic. Brian Geltziler going to join us coming up in about 10 minutes, talk a little NBA playoffs with BG. Right now, we talk to Mark in Jersey, who's up next. Mark, good morning, how are you?
5: Hey Dan, how's it going? Love Mark, you love know the what, show. I'm I outstanding. Think you you are the best radio show host in all of New York City for Sports Talk, my friend. Oh, that's a death. bunch
1: of crap, Mark. Don't even bring that to this program. Don't even go there. Listen, don't tell Dave Rothenberg or Michael Kay said that, but I, I think uh, you're
5: number one. I really do.
1: I appreciate it. What's going on?
5: So, real quick, just to talk about this series. I'm a Ranger fan, but listen, I'm realistic. The Devils are fantastic, and this series really worries me. But there's one thing that a lot of people I feel like aren't talking about so much that I think bodes well for the Rangers, and that's the physical side of things. And it's funny because for a while, people have been saying the Rangers aren't a physical team, but if you look at the stats, they were, I think, number 10 in the league for hits per game. And the Devils were bottom four for the league in hits. And the Rangers have nine guys on the roster that threw over 100 on the season. I think at this time of year, the physicality is what really matters. And I think if the Rangers... Up their game with the hits, and they start they start knocking some guys around, you know, especially you know like Jack Hughes and Heischer, guys that aren't so physical. I think that bodes well for the Rangers in this series. You know, obviously there's a uh, there's a goaltending edge with your Sturkin in that. Both teams are beyond skilled offensively. Maybe the Devils even more so than the Rangers, honestly. But if the Rangers flex their muscle, you know, Truba, Kreider, um, Miller, all these guys start throwing hit after hit and they light up over 30 or something, I think they're going to start wearing the Devils down as the series goes on. That's just my opinion.
1: Mark, you know what? It could happen, and and I appreciate the phone call, and that's why, you know, the long series, as they say, the better team is always going to emerge. And I think that that's a good point that you make. Like, Look, speed kills, that's one way of also looking at it. Dan brought it up, and if you watch this Devils team all year, I mean, these dudes, they're a tough matchup for anybody. And that was – I remember early in the season, this is even before the holidays, so we couldn't have been any later than, you know, November probably. And just like, you know, hearing from different people around the league and, you know, covering the Rangers and stuff and, you know, different teams and, you know, coming in and out of town and so on and so forth, the rest of the league was on to the Devils pretty early. And, and you know, watching them and they got off to that red-hot start and they said, no, this is this isn't fluky. They are a difficult team to play against. Like, that speed, you know, it travels. It's going to be hard to match up against. And, look, you saw the type of season they had. And, and, and I mentioned this before in passing, but, I mean, you think about those runs that those Devils teams had with Brodeur and Stevens and, you know, winning the three cups and, and, and being a cup contender every year. This was the best regular season numbers-wise in the history of the franchise. Now, I understand back then you didn't have a loser's point and all those other things, and I know that the the, the standings are different the way these games are played, and you didn't have shootouts, and and, and that kind of changes the complexion a little bit, but I'm as shocked as anybody at the season the Devils had. You know, at the beginning of the year, if you asked me what's best case scenario for the Devils, you would have thought, well, oh, make the playoffs, and they had, to, they had to make the playoffs or else they would have had a different coach, and I didn't even think that – Lindy Ruff would still be the coach at the end of the season. I mean, you remember the Fire Lindy chants that they had at the beginning of the year when they got off to that rough start those first couple of games and you got the fans at at, at the Prudential Center chanting Fire Lindy. Then all of a sudden, boom, everything switched. And Banachek is, is, is hands down I think the biggest difference, despite the fact that Hughes had an unbelievable season, he might even be a finalist for the Hart Trophy. You know, he sure had his best year, was able to stay healthy. You know, the, the, the continued emergence of Brat, Dougie Hamilton validated that big-time contract he got after a tough first season. But none of this happens without Vitek Vanacek. Because the goaltending has been a catastrophe since Brodeur walked away. Like, it's just, it's been, last year they used, I I can't remember, seven, eight different goalies, and none of them were any good. None of them were any good. Remember, Vanacek was brought in here to essentially be a platoon with Blackwood, and essentially he became the guy. But playoffs are a different animal. You know, he was with Washington, but they didn't win that cup with Vanacek. They won that cup with Braden Holpe, so... Let's see where it goes. Rangers, the experience they got last year going all the way to the conference final, I think that helps them in this series. I really do. We'll have more on this as we move forward. When we come back, we'll switch gears, go back to the NBA. Brian Keltziler, our buddy from NBA Radio, is going to help us talk Knicks, talk Nets, and everything in between. Dan Gross' show for another 60 right here on 9870 SPN. I am the Eggman.